Welcome to Ahead of the Game, a podcast brought to you by the Digital Marketing Institute. I'm your host, Will Francis, and today I'll be talking to Evote Kluter, all about working in-house as a marketing team leader. Evote is Senior Manager of Digital Operations at Game, Africa's leading discount retailer, where he oversees digital marketing strategy and implementation. He's a doctor, no less, with a PhD in communication studies, and he's also a graduate of the DMI, having completed the DMI Pro Diploma. He has previously been Head of Social Media at Wonderman Thompson, as well as Chief Digital Officer at Avatar Agency, before making the move to an in-house role less than a year ago. Evote, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Will. It's great to be here. It's great to have you. Just as a to set the scene for people, just tell us where you're currently working and what you do there. So I currently work for a company called MassMart. MassMart is part of the broader Walmart group, the international retailer group. Um, and then for MassMart specifically, I work on a specific individual retail brand here in South Africa. So, so the, the brand is called Game. Uh, and Game has over 120 retail outlets across Africa. And like I said, part of MassMart, which is then part of Walmart. And my role specifically within the company is that I look after all things digital marketing. So that includes the, the management of our internal digital marketing team, uh, all of the liaison and, and, and working collaboration with all of my agency partners, as well as the overarching strategy for the brand in terms of making sure that we drive the right growth and, and, and value for the business in terms of our digital presence. That's interesting. So it's a very mainstream brand because it's, it's a general kind of supermarket brand, right? So there's a few things to ask you there, um, and I'll come on to that in a little while, how you deal with you know, a very broad audience. But let's just talk about your uh, trajectory because you were in an agency environment and now for um, about eight months, is it, that you've been at uh, Game? Almost, almost twelve months. Getting close to my anniversary. It's your one, yeah. So you've gone in. You've gone in house into a corporate kind of in house role. To, what were the major differences that struck you uh, on your first week there? Well, to be honest, basically everything. Um, I think for me, when I started here, it, it, it was quite a shock to the system. Not necessarily completely in a negative sense, uh, but but just the the broader culture, the working environment completely, completely different to, to what I'm used to from my agency side. I mean, look, from an agency perspective, I've always firstly been used to much smaller teams and much smaller company structures in general, a lot more flat organizational structures. Um, so coming into, you know, a massive big corporate that's part of the Walmart group, um, you can probably imagine um, th- that was a big change and a big shift. So I think first and foremost, the scope of it and the size of it uh, was probably the first thing that really struck me in terms of, you know, how big this engine is and how many people it takes to 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 make this company run. So that was probably, I think, initially when I started, you know, the enormity of it was probably the first thing that hit me. Is it faster paced in-house? It's such an interesting question. Even before I started, uh, a lot of my, my agency friends and, and ex-colleagues mentioned to me, you know, when you're going to go... Uh, into a retail corporate environment, you are going to be so bored. You know, agencies are very fast-paced. They're very agile. You know, corporates are all about red tape. Uh, it's it's going to be very different and you're going to get bored. Um, but I can honestly confirm I have not been bored for one day since I've started here. 
Um, and actually, to be honest, the pace is much more intense. Um, I, I think that one thing that goes along with that is not just necessarily the pace itself, but the level of complexity in terms of the role, the amount of parts and components and, you know, smaller moving cogs that all have to get coordinated. I think in an agency environment, yes, you, you do get exposed to that. But because at the end of the day, you know, you're delivering on a specific brief based on what that client has provided you, there's certain restrictions and limitations to what you're working on at any given time. But, you know, if you're a digital marketing manager within a, a bigger corporate, the limits and the restrictions are actually out of the door uh, because you're responsible for everything that touches um, that that element that you work on. And obviously, as we know, with digital marketing and digital in general, it really touches everything. And, you know, all businesses are, are, are looking for ways to improve their digital footprint, improve their digital presence. Um, so, yeah, uh, I think the complexity of it um, is, is really something interesting. And I would say a lot more, lot more complex um, than your, your kind of standard agency role. And so if a friend of yours asked you, um, they were thinking of going into digital marketing and a friend asked you, well, should I go for an agency job or should I go for an in-house job? What would you tell them as being a sort of a quick overview of the pros and cons? I would definitely say if you start out your career, start out on agency side. The reason why, uh, to be very, very honest, I think in an agency environment, you know, especially when you're starting out, the environment can be a little bit more forgiving because you're in an environment where you're part of a broader team, you're working together to to drive goals. So th I think there's more of a climate of let's work together, let's upskill you, let's mentor you and make sure that you get to the right place. And we're not going to give you work and responsibilities that you're not comfortable doing or that you feel you don't have the expertise to take on. In, in a corporate position, it really is about you're here, you need to jump in, you, know, you need to make things happen. So I think in that context, agency is a really great space to hone your skills, to really get a great understanding of the basics of digital marketing, content generation, lead generation, you know, all of the different channels. Um, and, I, and I feel like that's a really good proving ground for, for someone that wants to move into a corporate position later in life. I agree. I mean, I've described working in an agency as like marketing boot camp, you know, because and, and I, I agree it's something I think it's something really good to do in your 20s as well. When you've got the energy, you don't have kids, you don't have commitments, you can stay late, you can do the all nighters when there's a pitch and all that kind of thing. But you are pushed so hard. And you have to flex between one minute you're working on a beverage brand, the next minute you're working on insurance. And um, it, you, you really kind of, I would say, yeah, it is like a boot camp. You would just push to your limits a lot. Um, so it is a good proving ground. I do agree with that. Yeah, very much. Um, and just to, to add what you were saying about that as well, you're 100% right. In an agency environment, you know, it, I think working hours are probably also a lot more flexible uh, and, and probably open to interpretation, you know, because you're working on various clients and they all have requirements and needs. And as an agency, you need to kind of try and fulfill all of that. Um, and that's on top of all of the new business work and, and pitch work that you might be doing. So, yes, there's all these different streams of work. I think one of the biggest differences for me in a corporate environment, there is a lot more strict guidelines and I guess also respect around working hours. Um, look, the retail environment is though very fast paced. So, so it's by no means a, you know, a nine to five type of job. But I think in general, from a corporate perspective, there is this understanding, you know, 
work hard while you're at work. And as far as possible, we, we try to switch off when we go home. I'm curious, being an ex-agency person, what kind of client are you? Do you think you're a, a really tough client because you know what the agency should be doing and how they should be managing you as a client? Or do you think you're a better client because you understand and you're more compassionate and understanding towards their position? Such a great question. And it's something that I've reflected on a lot myself, even before I started in this role. One of the, the personal goals that I gave to myself is I don't want to be a terrible client. Like, Evo, please make sure that you do not become that type of client that you hated when you were at agency. That was something that was, that was really important for me. Um, and, and, you know, a hard question to answer because this is probably something you must ask one of my agency partners. But from the feedback that I've received, um, the, the guys have told me, you know what, Evo, it's really incredible the partnership that you build. Um, and, and also how you treat us as equals. And I think that's, that's very important for me as, as well coming into this corporate environment. I've seen a lot of clients where, you know, that I am the boss, there's a hierarchy, I give you orders and you need to follow them and don't question them. I found those type of relationships just aren't great for the brand. It, it doesn't, doesn't build collaboration, doesn't build trust. So one of the key mandates that I've said to myself and to my team is that the agency are extensions of our team. They are not separate teams. They are not doing work for us. We are working together to achieve a goal. Um, and I think if you, if you take that approach, it gets reflected in the work as well. Yes, it's, 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 it's a partnership. It's got to be. You're absolutely right. It's a, a collaboration. That's definitely how it works best. So how creative can you be in-house versus at an agency? So when it comes to creativity, I find this also a very interesting topic because there's there's lots of different aspects to creativity. And I guess it also comes back to how you define creative freedom. I think on an agency side, because of the general expectation being that you are the agency, you are coming up with the creative ideas. I think naturally, most of the ideation work when it comes to cre creativity comes from an agency side because that really, for most of the part, uh, for 80% of the agency work that we do, that's the main mandate, is make sure that we really are thinking creativity, we, uh, creatively, we are innovating, um, and we are looking at, at, at great new ways to, to build a brand. In a corporate environment, though, which I found very interesting, is because as a client, you are the one controlling your budget, and you've got that oversight of your budget, to, and, and also you've got the power to make decisions on how that budget is spent. Even though you might not be the creative resource, you've got a lot more freedom to make those creative ideas happen. Um, I think a lot of the frustrations that I had on an agency side is, you know, you will pitch ideas that you've really worked hard on and you think they're amazing, but then it comes down to budget or it comes down to some other practical implication and, and that idea will never see the light. As a client, you know, if there's a great idea and I really believe in that idea, I know I can make that idea happen um, because of the control that I've got internally. So I think, once again, it speaks to that, that partnership, you know, the trust between the client and the agency. If there's great trust between the client and the agency, it also creates a great platform for those amazing ideas to actually happen. And I think you end up with a lot less ideas that actually just disappear within the ether. Yeah, I, I, I can imagine that's quite satisfying being in the position you're in now knowing that you can make things happen because you're right I've been agency side much of my career and 
you're just trying to make things happen. And most of what you come up with doesn't see the light of day. Um, and you just, that's, that's your life and that's fine. You're okay with it, but, um, it can be frustrating for sure. Uh, especially when you think you're sat on a really great idea and it, you know, you just can't get it signed off. I actually have, I've got like, and this is very sad to admit, but I've actually got a folder on my PC of all the great ideas that never happened, uh, a few PowerPoint presentations. Uh, so no, I completely understand. <laughs> Wow, that's a good folder to keep. I, I don't have that folder. Maybe I should have. You need one. Yeah, maybe I should have kept one. I need to go back and think about that. Um, <laughs> um, so, okay, so now the position you're in, you're building a team or, you know, you're, you're, you're retaining, you're developing, you're nurturing a team on an ongoing basis. So how does that work again in relation to agency is 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 it does it feel more permanent is it more about developing the staff you have is it less of a revolving door now well i think so most definitely i think one of the biggest differences with the internal team that i now look after and that's reporting into me is that really much the goal for me is how am i nurturing my team to at the end of the day take over from me right the, the reality for me as a senior manager because I'm spending most of my time in meetings and, and replying to emails here and there in between those meetings, I need to make sure that my team are completely adequate and on the right level to, to work without me, without my intervention. So most of the time that I do have is focused on mentoring them and make sure that they have that autonomy, that they have that independence and that they can confidently do the work without me. Um, and that's very important because the engine needs to keep running. You know, if, if one of the team members, there's a problem or there's a personal issue, anyone in the team needs to be able to pick up um, and, and really drive with whatever is necessary to do. So I think definitely that the focus is very much for me as an internal senior manager now is to mentor and manage that team to make sure that they're really growing. Um, and then at the end of the day, they also have the trust of the agency partners because that's also a very important thing and an interesting thing that I've picked up on. You know, I spoke about the hierarchy on a client side. And, and even though as a client, you might not be enforcing that, there is still this, you know, assumption of, of hierarchy. And I can see that play out in, in meetings with agents, uh, with agencies, with suppliers, where you can see there's almost a thing like, we need to speak to Yevot because we know Yevot will understand A, B, and C. Yevot has to be in this meeting. Um, but that's also something that's very dangerous to me. You know, I also I always say to my team members, you need to be able to make a decision without me. Um, and you should have the confidence to do that and, and have all of the information. So that that's a big focus for me as well, is to create that platform and to make sure that my agency partners trust me as much as they do the rest of my team. That's very interesting. Um, that's a, a good approach to, to to sort of, yeah, negate the need for you ha having to be in every meeting and, and in, in every room for every decision. As you rose up in your career, did you find it hard to kind of let go of the hands-on tactical stuff? You know what, Will? Yes, to a certain extent. A lot of people do, by the way. I mean, that's very common. No, most definitely. I think for me, you know, because when I started out my career, I've always seen myself as a creative soul and someone that wants to create something. I want to make sure that I'm always in a role where I'm creating something, whether that is an actual 
creative idea or just a great report or even sending a very eloquent email, I always want to make sure that I'm busy creating something because that's something that I get a lot of fulfillment from. And and, and you're 100% right. I think as you climb the ranks in an agency environment or a corporate environment, there's definitely a shift that happens where a lot of your output becomes, I guess, a, a little bit more ambiguous, not that tangible. It's more about managing. It's more about mentoring. Um, it's about being part of the right discussions. Um, and to be honest, th- th- that's always a tricky thing for me because I've said to myself, for me to be fulfilled in a role, I still need that balance. I don't want to get into a space where I am, where I completely end up not producing anything. I'm not adding and contributing to the actual output. So what I've done in my role is I've made sure that there is bandwidth for that and that I'm still developing on those tangible outputs. And I think that's also important from a team dynamic because I think it also becomes very dangerous if you've got a manager that is only, you know, shouting out orders and delegating. Um, I think you, you really want a manager that you can see, okay, they actually can also get their hands dirty and they're still willing to do that and they actually enjoy that. I think from a team role perspective, um, it's actually something that's very powerful. So that's something that I've tried to focus on quite a lot. I like that. I like that approach. You're empowering the team to be autonomous, but at the same time, you're keeping the feeling that you are one of the team and you haven't just disappeared into boardrooms you know, um, and you're right. I think that's a, a good, a good balance, good way to put it. Um, so just um, so we know, give us a quick breakdown of the specific roles in your team. What kind of people are, are you managing? Okay, great. So the way we've structured the team basically is that we've got a range of digital specialists that are looking after a specific set of channels, if I can put it that, or basically phases of the customer journey. So through from awareness to consideration, at the end of the day, driving actual conversion, but also retention. So really how we've split it is we've got digital paid media specialists, but those digital paid media specialists are further specialized into specific channel set. So for example, we've got digital paid media specialists that are focusing on social media, whether that's Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, how to boost and, and promote content effectively there, also doing work with influencers. Then we've got paid media specialists that are more focused on, 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 on the Google ecosystem and how to drive growth there. We've got uh, email and direct marketing specialists very focused on CRM and, and, and customer journey orchestration, that type of thing. Um, obviously, because there's this, this big engine and we've got all of these different assets and campaigns always running, I need a very strong operations lead as well. Um, so there's an operations lead making sure that you know everything gets um, effectively trafficked across all of the different parties. Also have a financial manager, very, very important. And that was also a bit of a new skill to learn for me coming into a corporate around, you know, financial hygiene and making sure that, you know, orders are raised in time and, and, and that, you know, there's no problems around making sure that our agencies get paid. Very, very important. Um, and, and, and really, that's kind of how we've built it. So it's a highly specialized structure with specific team members looking after specific components of digital marketing. And is upskilling in your team, is that something that you promote and do? Very much so, very much so. So I want to make sure, and, and I think with a specialized structure, that's definitely one of the dangers, is that if a team member becomes very specialized and they've got this very specific component that they're responsible for, it can start pigeonholing the resource. And that's something that I, as a manager, am also very aware of because I want to make sure the resources in my team, even if they left MassMart, 
how employable am I making them for their for their for their next move in their career? Whether that's at MassMort or not, I think it's very important and, and it's part of my responsibility to make sure that I am increasing and adding to their employability. Um, so what I always try to do is is put up a structure of cross learning. Um, and, and, and cross-education between the different team members. And a, and a good example of that is, even though we've got specific specialists looking after specific components of digital marketing, every team member is running with separate campaigns that holistically include all of the different elements. So, for example, you'll have your email marketing specialist running with a campaign, and that campaign will include social elements, website elements, Google, banners, um, you know, web pushes, whatever it might be. So even though, yes, they are accountable for email marketing, they are still being exposed to the full gambit of digital marketing. Yeah, that's good. That's, that's, that's wise, I think. Hello, a quick reminder from me that if you're enjoying our podcast series, why not become a member of the DMI so that you can enjoy loads more content from webinars and case studies to toolkits and more real-life insights from the world of digital marketing. Head to digitalmarketinginstitute.com forward slash ahead of the game to sign up for free. Now back to the podcast. What about the importance of soft skills? How do you how do you see the importance of developing soft skills within a team? So things like time management, leadership, etc. So, so important. So that's probably, to be honest, what I spend most of my time on. I think also and it speaks to the type of resources in the team because I think most companies, and this could be a South African insight, but most big corporations are only now really starting to become serious in terms of building their own internal digital marketing teams. There's some brands, you know, that have been doing it for years, but there's other brands that really haven't been doing it yet. So because of that, it means that most of the digital marketing specialists within the country um, that have that skill set are coming from an agency background and are currently in an agency environment because these roles haven't really existed within a corporate environment. And the interesting thing for me is that I found is that a lot of the soft skills that you need within a corporate environment are not necessarily that important in an agency environment. They might be, but I think some of them, you know, we up the ante in a corporate environment. And, and something like time management is a great example because a lot of agency resources, you know, they might have been trafficked by someone, by a traffic manager that, you know, every day tells them, Exactly. This is what you've been working on and this is what you're going to do today and this is what you're going to do tomorrow. There isn't much of that uh, within a corporate environment. So time management and being able to coordinate different jobs all at once is something that I found in general lacks with a lot of resources when they come into a corporate environment. So I spend a lot of time coaching team members on, you know, inbox management. It might sound like a very silly thing. But I found that a, a lot of the team members, you know, struggle to keep abreast of everything that's happening. You know, how do I keep a strong to-do list of what I need to do today? How do I prioritize work? I found that such an interesting thing around making sure that the team members are clear on what is the biggest priority for the business. Let's not go down a rabbit hole and, and, and you know, address the small little things that might not make a big difference. Let's make sure that we're always focusing on the big priorities where we're really going to see a, a massive change for the business. So that's probably one good example of, you know, from a soft skill perspective, a, a really important area and something that I focus on with my team. That's interesting. I have to ask, have you got any, you know, particularly particular favorite frameworks or or 
systems for that. You know, I mean, you're talking about inbox management. That brings to mind GTD or getting things done. Are there any of those kind of systems that you lean on? Nothing as formal as that, but I've got a very simple system that I've used since I've started working, and it sounds incredibly simple, but I found it extremely effective, is just to use a, a foldering system. So anything that is in your inbox is your to-do list. Your inbox are things that you either need to still address or you need to reply to another stakeholder. But if something is in your inbox, it is an outstanding request. It is something that still needs your attention or something that you need to review to make sure um, that it has been addressed. And as soon as you fold something, it is done. It is something that is completed. It's not something that a stakeholder is waiting um, on for you to action on. So your inbox actually becomes your to-do list. I think in, in, in the world of MassMart, you know, because we're working with our global counterparts, we're working with our local colleagues, there are a massive amount of emails and a massive amount of requests that come through. So I always say, let's make sure that your inbox becomes your to-do list. And you use that very effectively to manage your time. And the great thing about an inbox as well, it's, it's time-based, right? So if a certain request has been, you know, lagging for quite some time, that's going to be at the bottom of your inbox. So, you know, from a timing perspective, you know, it's taken me now two weeks to get back to this stakeholder. I really need to make a plan um, to get back to this. So I know it's, it's a very terribly simple thing to say, but I found if you can, you can coach a team member to get into that habit, it, it can really help a lot. Yeah, I, I do you know what? I do exactly the same thing. I have exactly that system. You're right um, because everything that you'll you've got to do will probably end with you then getting back to someone to deliver the work or tell them that it's done. And so, yeah, the inbox does serve as a really nice way to do that. Um, I like that. Um, and just thinking about communication, do you have any particular tools? How does your team? keep in contact with each other? How do they catch up with each other? Do you have daily stand-ups? Do you use Slack? Um, tell me about that. Yeah, so we've got actually various different communication methods. I think probably at the moment too many, if you ask me. Um, and I think that's probably also just a, a, you know, an outcome, a result of, of the fast-paced retail world. But to be honest, a lot of our, our quick, fast-paced work all happens over WhatsApp. Um, so a lot of our discussions, we've got various kind of team groups, um, based on, you know, certain streams of work. Um, for example, we've got a, a trafficking group that, that, that is focused on making sure that everything gets done in a, in a certain um, period of time. And that team is completely basically managed from, from a very active and highly engaged uh, WhatsApp group. Uh, then we obviously have stand-ups. We've got various meetings uh, across the day. We've got a daily stand-up and that has to happen every day. And that's very, very key to make sure that we're all on the same page and we know what the priorities are. Um, and, and that session is also very important for me because that's the session that my team members need to communicate any potential issues, you know, any pitfalls, anything that is not gonna, is going to lead to us having an issue during the day in terms of delivering on something. Um, so that face-to-face -face communication uh, is very important. That's also why, to be honest, you know, we've, we've been back in the office mostly full-time. Um, because just because of the pace of work um, and the amount of collaboration that we need to do, um, it's just something that's been necessitated. Yeah, that's very interesting. You're using WhatsApp in that way. I mean, it makes sense. It's perfect because everybody's already got it. So the adoption levels are already through the roof, and you're just using an existing system rather than trying to get people to adopt yet another tool like Slack or something. So I, I think that's um, I think that's great. So in terms of building a team, 
what are the main challenges facing an employer trying to attract talent at the moment? So I think if we talk about digital marketing specifically, I think really one of the biggest challenges for me is is the cultural shift. You know, and like I said, a lot of these digital marketing team members, they are in agency and they really love the agency environment because it's highly creative. You know, it's, it's, it's also highly liberal. Um, and, and I think for a lot of people working in, in creative roles, that more liberal environment is, is, is something that is fantastic and very appealing. So what I found the most important, probably the most challenging is, is keeping employees engaged with that corporate culture and also saying to yourselves, how can we be brave as a company to make small little changes, not to make a corporate an agency, but how do we bring some of that agency thinking into our day to day, you know, and that could be a simple thing around just making sure we have an area within the building that is not about work, where we are not talking about work, where we are just relaxing, we're just having a laugh, you know, maybe we have a foosball table or a, a pool table, just a place where people can and can just relax and just forget about, you know, all of the deadlines um, and everything else that's currently happening. Um, but I think those small little interventions are very important. And, and it gets into the detail, but I think it all adds up. Um, and, and to be honest, that could be the difference between an employee staying um, or an employee saying, you listen, at the end of the day, I love the work, I love the challenge, um, but, but, but I miss the culture um, that, that agencies provide. Do you think you proactively communicate that? I mean, how, how do people know that it's like that to work there? Yeah, it, it's a good question. I think at the end of the day, that comes into the hiring. I think it's very important. You know, I always say to myself when I hire resources, it's a two-way street. Yes, I'm here to, you know, assess the resource and, and, and assess their capability. But at the end of the day, the resource also wants to know, is this a place that I want to work at? How are the people? What is the environment like? Um, do we take ourselves extremely seriously and there's no room for fun? I, I think it's very important that you set the scene. Um, and I think it's also, you know, these companies that think that, um, you know, Every resource, you know, they, they're just so hungry for work and they're not looking at other opportunities. I think it's very short-sighted. So I think it's very important that as part of the hiring process and even from an internal comms perspective, that you communicate that constantly. Okay. And from the other side, as an employee or as a candidate, what, what, do, you th what do you think the challenges that they're facing at the moment are? So I think... Once again, speaking about the kind of the, the shift of culture, I think it is it is a big shift because at the end of the day, you know, in a, in a corporate environment, you are dealing with people that have never been exposed to an agency environment. So there's there's a lot of things that you almost take for granted in an agency world that is honestly just not a reality in the corporate world. So it's not that, you know, people don't want to create those opportunities. It's just, it's ignorance. It's just not knowing that, you know, there's potentially a, a different way to do that. So I think the biggest challenge is adapting, right? Because there is going to be some adapting, even though the corporate might be more engaging and, and it can have a fun culture, it is definitely not going to be an agency environment. So I think, you know, just giving yourself a reality check and saying, you know what, this is going to be different, but I'm here for the opportunity and I'm here to grow my skills um, so I think that, that, that shift in mindset is, is the biggest thing. And I think some people can, can do it very effectively, but I think for some resources, you know, it, it takes more work. And, and for some people, it just isn't a good fit. Uh, you know, this also happens. People come into the door, they're here for a few months, and they just find, you know what, 
this just doesn't gel well with me and, and, and I think I need to look for something else. But I think adapting to that culture is probably the biggest challenge, yeah. Now, you are a graduate of the DMI. You did the DMI Pro course. That's great. So I'd be interested to know your thoughts on how upskilling can propel you as an employee and what kind of advice you would have for people out there in terms of upping their game, upskilling, making themselves more attractive to employers. I think upskilling is extremely important. And I think just to to use myself as an example, because of the intensity and the, the seniority of the roles that I'm in, what I found is that it really is a challenge to find the time to to make sure that you stay upskilled and you stay abreast of the latest trends. It really is probably the hardest thing. And and as you know from a digital marketing perspective, it is it is the expectation. Um, you know, it's a, a non-negotiable element. You need to know what's happening on all the different channels. You need to understand the innovations. You know, where is TikTok going? Is Facebook going to survive? You know, you need to have an informed opinion on, on all of those matters around digital. Um, so I think something like the DMI course is a fantastic, fantastic tool because at the end of the day, what it does is it forces you <laughs> very gently to make sure that that upskilling happens. And I think just having that credibility, you know, of a of an institution um, with global recognition is very powerful because that could be the thing that differentiates you um, within an interview setting. You know, if I'm sitting in an interview and I've got two candidates that are really strong um, and they've got similar levels of experience, but I can see that the one candidate is really focused on growing their skills, doing research when they can, and they're really passionate about learning more, I will most likely go with that resource because, you know, that hunger and that drive is something that you can't, you can't really develop. Um, it's something that I think that comes with, from within. We agree, of course. Um, that's that's true. Um, I want to ask you about um, your home, South Africa. I want to ask you about things there. Firstly, just in terms of some of the stuff we've been talking about, did did you see this kind of great resignation, as it's been termed, around the world? Did Did that happen in South Africa where people left conventional jobs to pursue their own businesses or side hustles and things like that. Did that affect you? So, well, to a certain extent, but I think, to be honest, I think it has been kind of over-accentuated or over-emphasized that, that it was this big, dramatic shift. I think, you know, the reality in the South African environment is that we have an extremely high level um, of people that are not employed, right? And, and that is a very harsh and real reality in South Africa. And, you know, they are, there's a very strong side hustle culture within South Africa. And a lot of people have massive amounts of success with that. But also the, the risk is, is very, very high, right? So at the end of the day, there's a, there's a big component of people that are saying, you know, let's go for it. Let's do our own thing. Um, but because of, of, you know, how many people are also doing it and how competitive the market is around people doing all of these side hustles, it is also an extremely dangerous um, you know, route to go. So basically what that means is most people have actually stayed in their roles. They might have looked for other types of opportunities in other companies, but I think there's definitely been an overstatement of, you know, the amount of people that have just said, you know, screw it, let's move on um, and do our own thing. Because I think the, the realities, especially in South Africa, you know, really affects people's ability to be more flexible. Yeah. And have people wanted to work remotely there? And have they pushed hard for that, do you think? 
Very much so. Well, yeah, very much so. And, 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 you know, from a corporate perspective and from an agency side as well, it's an ongoing challenge, you know, in terms of, of finding that balance where, yes, you know, being in the office and having that face-to-face engagement, we recognize the value that that can bring um, and how that can, you know, create more stability and just harmony with, uh, within an employee's uh, mind. But at the end of the day, it is also making sure that we, that, that we can deliver on results. Um, and look, different companies have t- taken different approaches here, but it is very much a big focus. Um, and from a MassMart perspective, that is also something that we get a lot of engagement and a lot of feedback from team members from, um, is that need, that need for a more flexible working environment. And at the end of the day, you need to adapt as well because there are lots of companies that have taken that approach. Um, so there are other companies that, you know, that offer it. So if you're the one company not offering a, a more flexible working environment, it becomes a challenging thing to manage. So no, definitely. Yeah, I, I think that's that's definitely the case um, everywhere, I think, certainly here as well. Um, okay, and thinking about the, the South African market, um, what what channels are preferred what marketing channels are you finding work best and what social channels are strongest for your brand game i think an interesting thing if we just talk about the broader south african market and and the skill set when it comes to digital is that it's actually very very focused and weighted towards social media and content creation and what i mean by that is I, you know, I think because at the end of the day, you know, we're still a developing nation. I think from a digital marketing perspective, we've got some amazing skill sets and, you know, some brands are doing fantastic things. I think the reality is that from a technology adoption, um, you know, South Africa is, is is a developing country. So because of that, you know, some of the more highly technical, highly specialized digital skill sets is lacking within the country in terms of now I'm just generalizing in terms of the skill set that's available within the market, you know, so, so having someone that is a highly skilled social listening conversation analyst, as an example, you know, or someone that can create really advanced um, customer journeys online, finding those resources can be really, really challenging because a lot of the times they do necessitate you know, an appreciation and a better understanding of more of the technical elements, not just of digital, but also of technology. Um, and I, I find sometimes that is probably our biggest gap is that, you know, the, the, the digital marketing employees that are coming into um, the, the, the actual corporate environment are lacking a very specific technical um, and technology skill set. So that's where we have to focus more of our attention. But from a content perspective and a creativity perspective and a social media perspective, fantastic, fantastic. You know, there's amazing work coming out of the country. Agencies are doing great work that really resonates with the local market. Um, but I really think probably our biggest gap is more on the on the tech side. Mm, interesting. Um, so you mean specialisms like seo and things like that great example exactly yeah well our listeners know where to uh point their job search if they are a specialist of some sort that's good to know um you you, you're obviously very much steeped in the in the south african market there but what differences do you think there are between the sort of general market in places like the us europe um, the rest of Africa, what are the main differences that you think characterize the South African market? Hmm. That's an interesting question. 
Um, I think one of the, the biggest differences probably is when it comes to e-commerce. I think because of, you know, the background that we have as a country and, and the general shopper behavior and shopper culture is that e-commerce, yes, it's growing and there's some massive brands that are doing great things in the space. There's still a really, really big segment of the South African market that are still honestly too scared to even buy online. It's not that they don't have the access, but it, it, it's more from a perspective of, you know, understanding e-commerce um, and even considering e-commerce as an option uh, because, you know, they might be very risk averse to trying e-commerce or just because their family and their friends you know, I've never even considered it um, themselves. So it could be from a peer perspective that it's just not something that they're considering. So I think one of the biggest challenges for us is driving e-commerce adoption. It's not just, you know, competing against other brands. What, what we are doing most of the time is trying to convert physical customers into e-commerce customers. And that's where, to be honest, within our market, the, there is the biggest uh, place for growth. You know, instead of trying to go after the same audience, how can we convert and make a new audience try to shop online? And how can we hold their hand in that journey? So I think the brands that are doing that really well, you know, that is that are really simplifying the e-commerce and the shopper journey for customers, those are the ones that are really, I think, that are going to win um, uh, in the future here in South Africa. That's interesting. And I, 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 I'm going to make a wild guess that it's, maybe more mobile centric there than than other markets is it yeah yeah very much so look i mean the market is also quite diverse and that's an interesting thing you know you've got people that are sitting on a very very high income bracket high lsm and then you've got a massive discrepancy of people that are very much on the lower end so we've got this one side of the market that are very technology savvy and that are also very desktop based which is really interesting um, but then you've got this other side of the market that never grew up with a computer, really never grew up with a laptop and, and their whole life and their entry into digital um, has always been through their phones. Um, so we've got this very interesting mix of, of, of different types of digital audiences with different levels of digital adoption. Well, look, I can see our time is up. Um, I've got one last question for you. What are you most excited about when you think about the future of digital marketing? I think the thing that I'm probably the most excited about is, and I think in the context of South Africa, is, is really just to see how we're actually going to, to drive that e-commerce adoption in a way that feels relevant to the South African market. And I think for us specifically, what I'm talking about is, is social commerce. I think the South African market have only scratched the surface in terms of how we can utilize um, social commerce. Um, and But I do think that that's where we've got the biggest area for growth. And there's some brands doing exciting things in that space. But I think considering, you know, the market uh, and, and, and the background with technology and the relationship with technology, that is definitely probably the best place um, to grow uh, online uh, penetration and, and e-commerce within the market. So I'm very excited to see how, how brands utilize social commerce a lot more aggressively in future. Yes. And I think that's something everybody's very interested in as well. Uh, we only recently did a webinar about it, a DMI webinar about that exact topic, and it's something we'll be doing future podcast episodes about um, social commerce because it is clearly the next big space to capture in terms of driving e-commerce sales. So, yeah, agree with you there. Well, um, Evo, our time is up, and I'm, I'm really so grateful for all the insight. That was a very 
kind of rich view of the journey from agency to in-house and also a fascinating view into the uh, market there in South Africa. I do actually have one final question for you. Just tell our listeners where they can find and connect with you online. Perfect, perfect. Well, I think probably the, the easiest place to connect with me is LinkedIn. Um, I'm a little bit of an old school marketer when it comes to that. I do have a Twitter profile and I do have an Instagram profile, but I think it, it's embarrassing to give anyone a link to that. Um, so the easiest thing to do is, is just do a search for me, Yevo uh, Kluta on LinkedIn, and I'd be very happy to connect there. Great. Well, we will do that. And uh, thanks again, Evo. Hope to chat to you soon. Take care. Thank you so much, Will. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information about transforming your marketing career through certified online training, head to digitalmarketinginstitute.com. Thanks for listening.